You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. I'm glad you're here with us today. We're in the midst of a series on 1 Thessalonians. And um, after this, we're going to do a series on 2 Thessalonians. <laughs> that just seems to flow, so that's what we're going to do. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and get it out and open it up. If you didn't bring it, man, I'd love for you to bring it next week because this is a series where you're going to want to highlight and underline and all sorts of stuff. If you want to open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians, send the New Testament, go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then keep going and you'll get to 1 Thessalonians. And so um, I, I think it's cool sometimes to like, you know, I think maybe you've done a yearly reading plan where you just kind of tried to read through the Bible in a year to get a high level perspective and that's good and that's healthy. But I also believe there are times when we really want to sit and just marinate in this. Uh, that it, it matters more about the, the time you spend in the Bible than the amount of verses that you read. And so what we're doing with this book is we're just going like one verse at a time. We're going one chapter at a time, week by week by week. And, and some Sundays we'll get through a whole chapter. Some Sundays like today we won't. But we're really going to take our time and try to use this portion of the word as a mirror to see what God wants to show us in ourselves. And so if you guys remember, uh, this book of 1 Thessalonians is a letter that Paul wrote to a church. Uh, the Bible is not typically uh, really one long book. It's a bunch of different books and letters that God has divinely brought together to tell one beautiful story of Jesus the Christ. And so this is a letter that Paul wrote, and he's, uh, Paul is an evangelist. He's basically going town to town to tell people about Jesus. Uh, he's been chased out of one town. And he's come to another town, and he's going to get chased out of Thessalonica by an angry mob because no one likes what Paul is preaching. And so Paul is uh, creating churches in very hostile environments, yet the churches are thriving. And so this is uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, and it says this. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you of his gospel in the face of strong opposition. Okay, so let me just give you guys what's going on here. So Paul is being chased out of this town of Thessalonica, right? He goes to Berea, gets chased out of that town. But then he writes a letter to them. But after this angry mob of people chases him out of town, they go back to his church, the church he's planted, and begin to try to uh, undermine him. They go back to the church after they chased him out, and they're like, hey, Paul, Paul's not the real thing. Paul's a liar and all this kind of stuff. And Paul lives in a part of the world where there's this road, and it's called the Ignatian Way. And Thessalonica is the center. It's, it's one of the center roads of the whole world at that time. So there's all sorts of people who would come through this city. So there's hundreds of competing religions, religions in this little city. And there's some pastors that come in and they basically try to lie to people and trick people and do all these things. And so what Paul is saying is, hold on, hold on, guys. You saw me. I didn't just come to you with words. You saw the results of what happened. And this is not like Paul uh, bragging. He's not going to like a, some sort of church conference meeting. He's like, hey, we had all these professions of faith and all this attendance. Paul is saying the proof of what I came and preached is you. Your changed lives, the transformation that you have seen. In chapter 1, Paul said, I see you. I see what you're doing. I see your, your works by your love, and I see your, you know, the faith lived out through action. Now Paul is saying, you saw too with your eyes. 
You've seen changed lives amongst you. I'm not there trying to pull the wool. I'm not a fly by night. This isn't snake oil, right? Like you've seen it. And then Paul says something, and we suffered. Remember, when Paul came, if you go back and read Acts chapter 17, you can see a lot of this. Paul has been in, in, because of what he did in, in, in Philippi, he went to prison in Rome. And so when he's writing to the church of Philippi, he's writing from a Roman prison. And so if you guys remember the story, Paul gets arrested. They put him in a jail, in a Roman jail. He's in the jail. They beat him. They flog him. They do all these things. And then this earthquake happens, which is one of the coolest scenes in the Bible. Earthquake happens. uh, Shackles fall off Paul. And he just walks out the jail like it's normal. Many of you spent many a night in jail dreaming of that, right? (laughs) I spent one night in there dreaming of that. Just shake it. But like, and, and so, so, so this is what Paul, this is what's going on. And so now he's writing this letter and he's like, guys, we suffered. You know, I said, I didn't come to you with, with dunks on. I didn't come to you with $400 Nikes and a helicopter. I didn't come to you with a Rolex. I came to you with stripes on my back. And if you have a pastor who shows up in a helicopter, you might go looking for one more like Paul. <laughs> I think that's what he's saying here. I didn't come to you with all the glory of man-made things. I came with stripes. I came wounded for you. Like I, I suffered so that I, could, so I could bring this message to town for you. And a lot of what Paul's going to talk about in this chapter right here is that suffering will reveal the authenticity of your faith. Suffering revealed the authenticity of Paul's faith. When Paul goes to that prison and he writes the letter to the church at Philippi, he's in jail, but 13 times in the letter he talks about joy. If you meet somebody in prison that seems extraordinarily happy, be concerned about that person, (laughs) right? (laughs) You know, I mean, that's, but yet Paul has this joy where nothing can get to him because his joy is not circumstantial. His joy is not bound by the world. And so what Paul is saying is I was tested and you saw the authenticity of my faith. And God, God doesn't put God doesn't put these tests. I saw on Facebook again, guys. We got, 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 got to talk before you post. We got to talk before you post. I saw this thing where, where this person was like, "Man, why? I don't know why God's putting all these terrible things on me. You know, like God must know how strong I am because He's putting all these terrible things on me. And I, I know this person, and I'm like, "You put those things on you. God didn't put those things on you. You put those things on you." Like, you quit that. You walked away from that. You started. You, you put those things on you. And so <laughs> it's true. And so God isn't putting these tests on us, but it's in the test where the content of our character and faith will be revealed. God doesn't want bad things to happen to you. But while the bad things are happening, God can use the suffering to reveal the content of your character of what's really going on in you. And there are times... When difficult circumstances can reveal something that God wants to confirm in you. Like you go through a period of suffering and, and, and you know, you, you handle it with great faith. And, and God says, hey, listen, well done, my servant. Gosh, I didn't want that situation on you. But in the midst of it, wow, like I'm so blown away with you, my child. You handle well done. And there's other times in suffering when God wants to say, hey, listen, you, you see something in your heart here that needs to be worked on. And it's never condemnation. It's not God going, I hate you, I'm so angry at you. It's God going, oh, let me show you something where where you need to be restored. Some area of your heart where your faith needs to grow. 
But it's in the suffering that the content of our faith will be revealed. Every season, every season of our life has the potential to confirm something beautiful in us or to reveal something not so beautiful in us. And it depends on how we approach the season. Are we open to seeing what God wants to do through a difficult season, knowing that God did not put that difficult season on us, but we're in it, and while we're in it, God can use it. And so I'm going to give you guys a a question that I want you to pray over for the next week, And, and here's the question right here. What has suffering revealed about your faith? And listen, t- take a picture of this, write it down, but don't just, don't just be here sitting in a chair. Like, like, get with this. Pray over this this week. Open your heart. Say, God, what has suffering in my life revealed about my faith? And if you have never suffered, be patient. Your day's coming, my friend. There's three people in the room, those who are just coming out of suffering, those who are in it, and those who are headed towards it. And that's the only three options, especially for those of us who have given our lives to Christ. It's, it's not easy. The Bible is full of stories for people who suffered for God. Why would we think things have changed? There will be suffering. What has suffering revealed about your faith? Maybe even in your journal or in your, you write down, what do I hope suffering reveals about my faith? But pray over it. Verse 3. It says, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people but God who test our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We're not looking for praise for people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Okay, what's Paul saying here? What Paul is saying in this whole part right here is our motives matter. Our motives matter. Have y'all ever said something like the ends justify the means? Don't act like I'm the only one. Can't lie here. God knows. What, what Paul is saying is the ends don't just like how you get there matters. What you do along the way matters. And Paul had had pure motives in his ministry. He wasn't looking for the praise of people. He didn't perform so that the crowd would be happy. You know how I know? Because I've read some of his sermons. Like Paul just says what needs to be said. Sometimes he just reads the Old Testament and then goes, all right, now y'all all need to change. I mean, wow, that's a bold sermon. But Paul seemed to have a character that outpaced his charisma. And I think maybe that's where a lot of contemporary pastors have lost their way. A lot of charisma, very little character. And so Paul has motives that matter. And this is what I think is one of the things that's so beautiful as I read Paul's writings and stuff. So Paul had this understanding with God because the the reason he was willing uh, to, to pursue God above all things, the reason he counted everything else as rubbish was because his motives were pure. If your motives aren't pure, it will be exposed when suffering happens, right? But Paul had, had two beautiful relationships with God. He had a father-son relationship with God where Paul felt like God was his father. And I don't, I don't mean like the, the dad who didn't do what he should have done in your life. I mean like a good, good father, a nurturing father, a caring father, a protecting father. 
And so Paul believed that his relationship with God was like father-son, and, and God was patient with him and kind with him, and, and God was providing for him and loving him. But God also believed that he had a master-slave relationship with God. And so, yes, God is my father, but, but God is also my master, and so I must do what he tells me, even if I don't like what he tells me to do. It wasn't just the father-child, because a father-child is a beautiful relationship. But let me tell you this. Sometimes my daughter doesn't look at me like she thinks I'm also her master. Right? Does a slave ever give the master the side eye? Psst. I'm bigger, stronger, and faster than you, little girl. But I mean, it's good that you think father, son, and that's beautiful. But while you're thinking father, son, also think slave, master. Because I love him, and he's a good father, and he cares for me, and he's going to provide for me, he's going to nurture me. Yes, 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 God, and grace, and truth, and love. Yes, but I have to do what he tells me to do. Yeah. Obedience is not optional. Amen. I belong to him. And so I'm, I'm obedient even if I don't like it. But the motive for these things must be understanding how much he loves you. I'm obedient like a slave because he loves me like a good father. You hear that? You feel that? You feel how those two things come together? John 13, 34. It says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Love one another. What's that next part? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another as I have loved you, or because I love you, will you now love one another? As I have loved you, will you love each other? Will you love me because I have loved you? Because I died for you, because I initiated for you, because I went first for you, will you now simply respond by loving? And there are times in our relationship with God where we white-knuckle it out of obedience. Right? Y'all ever been there? God, I'm not really feeling too loving right now. Like, I feel that frequently. You know, I feel it some Sundays. There's some of y'all I don't, I don't even like on Sunday, you know? <laughs> Most of y'all I do. Though. But it's like, it's like so sometimes you just, ah, love is hard. And so you just do it because you're going to be obedient. But that can't be the consistent string in your relationship with God. There has to be, I'm doing this because I love you. And because you love me. And so I'm loving them because you love me. And one of the reasons our motives get so backwards is because so many years the church said this, just ask Jesus into your heart. Remember, we were all told that just ask. But when I ask Jesus into my heart, what I'm doing is saying, Jesus, will you come into my world? Will you bless my plans? Will you bless my agenda? Will you bless me? Will you provide? Will you come into my heart? Is Will you please come into my world? The call is not invite Jesus into your heart. The call is give your heart to Jesus. When I give him my heart, it's saying, hey, here it is. I know you're a good father, and I know you love me, and I know I can trust you, but so I'm going to obey you like a slave no matter what you ask me to do because you're going to treat me like a son or a daughter. I love you. If you're, if you're scared of somebody, guys, you know what you'll do? Just enough to not get in a lot of trouble. That's how some of you lived high school. Not me. I broke, I, I broke the system. But some of you, you really cared, and I applaud that. Right? But if you love somebody, what will you do? You'll do anything in the world for them, won't you? If the motivation is love, then fear isn't even a factor. Because I love you. So let's pray on this question this week. What are my motives for calling myself a Christian? 
why? Why? Why, don't, why are you here? Why do you care? Why are you pursuing? What are your motives? Is your motive so that this Jesus genie will give you health, wealth, and prosperity? Is that your motive? Because what happens when suffering comes? If that's your motive, your heart will be revealed when suffering comes. Is your motive that, that you know, God will somehow make your world all better? Or is your motive, I love him. I'm devoted to him. And so I will give him my life. And I'll stay with him in the mountain and the valley. What's your motive? Verse 7. Instead, oh guys, this is gorgeous. Listen to this, by the way. Instead, remember, we're not trying to trick you. We're not trying to deceive you. We're not just trying to blah, blah, blah. Instead, as opposed to that, we were like young children. And, and in, in the NASB and probably in the King James, that translates into we were gentle with you. We were gentle with you. Just as a nursing mother who cares for her children. So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. You're witnesses, and so is God, about holy and righteous are bl- and blameless for we among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Now listen to this. Encouraging and comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Do you hear the love in that? He's like, guys, you remember how we were with you. Paul says, remember, we didn't just show up and lob Bibles at you. We didn't show up and just say, hey, you know, y'all are terrible. We lived with you like I was in the trenches with you. We suffered with you. We were there with you. We've been through the fires with you. We're not just telling you. We're living with you. And this, to me, guys, is where so many of us have failed. We love telling the world how to live. What we don't want to do is walk with them and guide them in their lives. It's easy to lob scripture on Facebook. It's hard to walk with humans. It's easy for us to say, man, they need Jesus. Y'all ever said that? Man, they need Jesus. You ever said that? It's hard to love on those people. It's hard to love on the people that we think need Jesus. And it's so easy for us to sit far away in little protected environments, look at the world and say the world needs Jesus. It's hard to get down in there and walk with them. Matter of fact, like I've been convicted of this, like whatever your passionate thing is, and I, I talk about this, and you've all got it, whatever your passionate thing is, whatever you're going to boycott, whatever you're going to uh, march about, whatever you're going to Facebook about, whatever your passionate thing is, whatever sin you're going to rail against is, do this. Find someone who's committing that sin and fall in love with them. Love them to the point where you understand. I'm not asking you to change right and wrong. I'm not asking that. I'm asking you to love the people you're talking about. If you think they need Jesus, then be Jesus in their lives. Love them. Come along beside them. Get to know them. Hear their story. Empathize with them. And then let them experience Christ through you. And if you haven't done that yet, then quit talking about their sin. Talk about the sin in your own heart, the judgment in your own heart. I need to work on this before I work on that. Find someone you disagree with. How about this? Here's your challenge for the week. And it won't be hard for many of you to find someone you disagree with. (laughs) Find someone. And watch this. Zip it, lock it, 
and put it in that pocket, right? And listen to them. Listen to them. I'm not asking you to change. No, no, you have a righteous belief. I acknowledge that. You have a righteous belief, and it is, I get you. Love them. Love them. Here, here, here's the question for this week. Do you love the people who you believe need Jesus? Do you love them? Is, is your motive love? Are you willing to stand beside them? You know, there's this gorgeous story of, of Jesus, and he, uh, he confronts this woman who's caught in sin, and he does this beautiful thing of standing between her and the stones. You, you, maybe you've read the story. If not, read it. Do you love the people you believe need Jesus? Because I, I think if not, in time, the true motives of your heart will be exposed. You want them to experience Jesus. You know they need him. Sometimes we've got to work on the old, the old plank before we deal with the speck, right? It's hard. I remember a season in my life where God revealed so many things to me. Was, we, we were going through uh, Corona, and I guess it was 1920, somewhere in there, whenever, whenever the whole thing happened. And, like, I remember how many amazing things God revealed to me about my own character. I remember I was preaching to rooms like this, right, the full rooms, you know, and, like, I'm not even going to lie. You can get a high off that. And I know, because I've had highs. And like, you can get a high off that. It is, it is very possible. And you get this charge off it. And you get this experience. Of, and like, I think I started to really thrive on you, on your applause and your laughter and your attention. And then God strips it all away. And you know what I'm preaching to? A cell phone. And I remember looking on there and be like, how many people are watching? Three. And I mean, like God, like, like saying, all right, Tommy, let me show you something. I didn't want this, I didn't, but I'm going I'm to show you something. I'm going to strip you of your desire to please them. I'm going to take it all away. I'm going to let it all go away so that you can see in you that you're performing for people instead of me. And so God was revealing these things, and he was correcting me. And then in the midst of that, he said, all right, now we're going to take it one step further. I want you to preach another series. And I said, okay, what's the series? He said, the series is going to be called The American Gospel. And you've preached for the joy of people before, and now I'm going to make sure that everyone is mad at you during one series. <laughs> but I did it. I did it. And so as he was correcting some things in me, he was confirming some things in me. And then he said, I need to know this. I need to know that you love them. And I was like, I love them. And he said, no, not the people who are still there. The people who are blasting you on Facebook. And I need to know that if they come back, you'll treat them like brothers and sisters. And that was hard for me because I'd been to war with some of these people and my feelings were hurt. My feelings were hurt. And I, had to, I had to know. He, had, he, he wanted to know. He wanted, he wanted to show me something. Do you only like the people that are easy to like? Or will you like the very people who ripped you apart? And I won some. And I lost a few. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But God was revealing in me what he wanted to change in me. That my motives would be pure. That I would perform for an audience of one. And that I would love even if it cost me. And you know what the beauty of God, guys? After that corona thing, he revealed so many things in me. He didn't stop. Still, if I ask God, reveal any fault in me, you know what he'll do? He'll reveal it. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not even going to ask you today because I, I just got to get through the day, you know. But like when you go to him with your heart and mind open, 
even in seasons of suffering, he will reveal in you what needs to be revealed. He will confirm you in some gorgeous areas like a good father. He will correct you in some areas like a master who demands obedience. But he's shaping you into the person you were created to be. And so for for the next week, three things to ask God about. And let's see what God reveals inside of you. He's not mad. He simply wants to use us to win souls. He wants to give you a full life in this place. A life not motivated by you, but by love for him. One week, three prayers. Let's see where we end up. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.